Hardy joins me every Tuesday morning, 9.30. Dan Schaefer, political columnist. The Recombobulation Area. How do folks find out about it real quick? It's great, great writing on politics. You can, of course, find me at therecombobulationarea.news or on Substack, therecombobulationarea.substack.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer, where I will occasionally tweet about things other than my beloved Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, we'll get to the Bucks because that's a big story. Obviously, Giannis <laughs> is re-upping, which to all those knuckleheads who said he was looking for ways out of Milwaukee, this is why I hate sports I don't hate, but the, the bad sports takes are so thick and numerous that this is one of the get, just got blown up quickly yesterday. So I love that. Yeah, we get to we get to kind of bask in it as Bucks fans <laughs> right. now. Bring back those old takes and, oh, and show all goodness. those ESPN commenters just how wrong they were. So this the, the topic du jour today is is one that I think a lot of people are tuned into, and there's a lot of strong strong feelings, and it is a, there's a political divide on this, and it has to do with funding for childcare, right? Mm-hmm. So. Keeping those centers open, a lot of this funding was ramped up during the pandemic, right? They, they kept these places open. So the argument has been, on one side, this allowed the workforce to go to work, to be able to supply those jobs that manufacturers, builders of things, people who provide services needed. Now, the government, uh, the, government the governor, Tony Evers, has pr- proposed numbers like $340 million. Republicans in the legislature have come back with much smaller numbers. How do you, what context do you provide to this debate? Yeah, so I think, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit there, but child care advocates and, and providers and whatnot who I've been talking to while I've been covering this issue have referred to child care as the workforce behind the workforce. So this is, you know, I think for so many parents of young children, and I'm a parent of young children, this is such a huge issue. Um, and, you know, we really need quality, a- access to quality child care. Uh, you know, there was a report recently that showed that the cost of childcare in Wisconsin is now greater than the cost of going to a school in the UW system. It's, it's more expensive to put your child through a few years of childcare than to put your kid to through four years at UW Madison, which the, is a big deal. As the grandparent of three, and I see and, and hear the cost of my daughter's and their husband's childcare, it's like a house payment, sometimes more than that. I don't think a lot of people yeah. realize how much money we're talking. Yeah, it's a significant amount of, you know, parents, uh, parents income, right? It's a, it's a, it's way too high. You know, most studies say it should be at a certain rate. We're, we're, you know, and we're much, much higher than, than what it should be. Uh, and so like you mentioned during the pandemic, there was some of the relief dollars went to, to keeping a lot of those childcare centers open. In Wisconsin, that meant funding a program called Child Care Counts. Now, Child Care Counts, is was yes funded by the pandemic but it was something that was in the works before that it was something that p- providers and department of children and families the evers administration uh, had recognized was going to be a main issue uh, they were developing some things before the ba- pandemic hit so to say this is entirely a pandemic pol- policy isn't quite right but it has been funded by those dollars which are now expiring and now many states are taking it upon themselves to fund child care you know our neighbors over in minnesota just put more than 700 million dollars towards child care and early care education things like that a lot of other states are taking different various innovative approaches and wisconsin's child care counts program is something that tony evers has uh, proposed in making basically making it a, a part of the state budget going forward now republicans in the state budget process voted that out in a vote at held at 2:30 in the morning i remind you um and you know that that of course 
Tony Evers could veto things out of the budget. He couldn't put things back in, so he couldn't put that back in. So he called the special session. And the special session we had, uh, you know, instead of gaveling in, gaveling out, they just kind of gaveled in and then more or less went home. Uh, but what happened was the Senate did take it in a committee hearing, uh, the state Senate, and, and discussed it. Uh, I think it was a really interesting committee hearing. You had Republicans basically insinuating on that committee that instead of funding child care, that people should just instead stay home with their kids. Yeah, essentially that was the argument. Right. And I'm um, going to ask – let me just ask you the big question. So whenever I have this debate about child care – and you can actually make the same debate about uh, you know uh, absolving people's uh, student loan debt. Why should I pay for your child care? That's the argument. That's the talk and text argument about – paying for someone else's child care. Why should I, who doesn't have kids in child care, or paid for my own child care, for my kids, pay for yours? I think it's, first and foremost, it's, a, it's an investment in our youngest Americans. It's an investment in our youngest Wisconsinites, an investment in working families. And so I think, you know, we do all kinds of things, all kinds of programs at very different levels. Obviously, K-12 education, uh, you know, uh, college education, things like that, we don't really do a whole lot in this country for people between the ages of zero and five, right? We, you know, maybe pre-K has expanded to a certain degree or whatever, but a lot of that brain development for happens in the year, years between zero and three. And so I think the more we invest in childcare, it's going to pay off in the long term, making a more stable environment for families, a more stable environment for kids. And I think ultimately this is, evolving the way the workforce is evolving now too, where you have more often you have two parents who either need to be or, or are to just maintain their careers. Right. The cost of living, inflation, of living, wages yeah. not meeting that, that challenge. I, I saw some, you know, Republican commenters on Twitter saying that childcare is always, it, it's a choice. It's not always a choice for families. It's, it's, you know, I, I think it's a pretty privileged uh, type of type of mentality to say that this is a choice. I think, a lot of working families need childcare in order to make ends meet. What are manufacturers or manufacturing organizations saying to this issue? Well, I know that the you know the right wing lobbying group, the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, put in their report not too long ago that this was a real issue in Wisconsin. That finding quality childcare was an issue for employers, for employees. Um, you know, we heard it all throughout the state budget process, too. Even before they voted it out of the committee, I saw uh, Joint Finance Co-Chair Howard Markline mentioned that in their listening sessions, child care was one of the top issues that they heard about. So I think to a certain extent, you know, it, the, addressing this issue is about being pragmatic, you, about r- listening to your voters, about, you know, going through the process. And this is this is something that, you know, more and more working families rely on. And we're, you know, by disinvesting in it. You know, we are running the risk of letting thousands, and I say thousands based on this, multiple studies, uh, some from nonpartisan, some from other places, but multiple studies saying thousands of daycare centers in Wisconsin could close without new funding. Dan Schaefer joining us at WTMJ now. I take a break. I want to ask you about the timeline. So if funding doesn't happen, how does that start to impact the workforce? And sort of a bigger picture question, because I'm more concerned with action than just people, you know, writing press releases and talking, um, is, is there a, the C-word compromise here available to the legislature and the governor. Dan Schaefer, our guest, will continue the conversation. If you have a question or feedback, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. More of WTMJ Now after this. Continuing the conversation with my friend Dan Schaefer, political columnist from the recombobulation area. We're talking about child care, the funding Governor Evers has asked for 300 plus million. Republicans have responded in much different ways, much different numbers. 
often less than $20 million. And um, we've talked a little bit about the reasoning why this matters. You even asked the big question, why should I pay for someone else's child care? And there's legitimate reasons why some of us should. So let's talk about where we're at now, timelines for resolving or fixing whatever ails us in this in this area. And two, is there room for compromise between two vastly different positions on this important issue? Yeah, the Republicans and Democrats are really far apart on this issue. About as far as you can get. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, and I think, you know, the some of the solutions that Republicans have proposed, you know, some of it has been uh, deregulation. Uh, which basically making uh, a already difficult job pretty much harder by, you know, growing the ratios of teacher to student, making the child care providers who frankly aren't making what they should be uh, making, making that job even more difficult. I saw some when that proposal was introduced, I saw some providers quoted as saying that this would make them want to leave the field entirely. So that's that didn't seem like a particularly good solution. One that did seem like a good solution was the revolving loan fund that they proposed. It was about $15 million, you know, just for different facilities that might have to, you know, make an upgrade, meet something up to code, put a fence in the backyard, something like that. I thought that was a pretty good proposal. But on the on on the whole, I think the Republican proposals, what they don't do is fund child care and they don't fund the uh, child care counts program, which I, I think you have to recognize has been a pretty successful one. The Wisconsin Policy Forum, a nonpartisan group that does a lot of political analysis of public policy. I had Rob Hankin on the show last week. Rob's terrific. Uh, and so the Wisconsin Policy Forum honored the Wisconsin Department of Children and Families work on child care with its inaugural award on innovation in state government for the child care counts program. So I think you can say, oh, you know, you're throwing money at a program. It's not always going to fix it. But this is a program that has proven demonstrable results. It has an awarded uh, award for innovation in government from the nonpartisan source like the Wisconsin Policy Forum. And it has increased wages for uh, people working in the industry from an average of about $10.50 an hour to around $13 an hour. And it has and it has also stabilized a long-term decline in the number of child care centers in the state of Wisconsin. For 15 years, we have lost child care facilities in the state of Wisconsin. Under child care accounts for the past two years, this is the first time that has stabilized. So I think if we're not going to fund this program, which has demonstrable results... What's the solution here that's going to keep these places open? Republicans keep talking about tax cuts and whatever. Well, that's not going to, you're not going to be able to cut taxes on a place if it's not open. So a lot of texters, I'm kind of paraphrasing some of these, are, are asking about how do you, whatever program you choose, whether it's child care council, whatever, whatever version of that or style of child care you utilize in a state when taxpayers are paying some of that bill, how do you standardize or regulate to the point where there's not fraud or scams because there's been we've had stories before child care counts of people that were scamming people in some of these businesses Mm -hmm. i think it's always important to have strong oversight of any public program like this absolutely to be you know auditing the programs looking into the details really getting into the weeds um but i but i also think that you have to consider the long-term implications of of what this might mean and i think when Tony Evers proposed this as a special session, he put it under the umbrella of workforce and the workforce challenges. Well, one of the biggest challenges that the state of Wisconsin is facing is a workforce shortage. And now if the if child care becomes more expensive and, and parents have to leave the workforce to come home and care for their children, 
that's only going to exacerbate the problem even further. So I think what we really need to do in Wisconsin is is invest in working families and invest in a program that has proven demonstrable results for working families. And I have to I have to commend Governor Tony Evers on this issue too because he has been all over it. He's been visiting childcare facilities all over the state. He's been making this a priority and I think, you know, he is listening to the reality that working families are facing that this is becoming a bigger and bigger problem and we have to deal with it. You use the term reality. So in the rea- reality of this state we live in, is there a common ground, a compromise on this issue between the Republican-led legislature and the Democratic governor? Yeah, I think, you know, there are, like I mentioned, I think that revolving loan program is something that, you know, perhaps the governor should consider signing. But I think also the fact that in the counter proposal on the special session from Senate Republicans, they got rid of all of the funding for child care accounts. And so Tony Evers had to tap some emergency funds, one time emergency funds that were about half the total. So it was about 170 million for child care accounts as opposed to the 360 million that he was proposing in the special session. So really a halfway one to, it buys, buys a little bit of time. And I think maybe if we get around the corner here, uh, you know, toward the next state budget, something like that, we need to really examine what a long-term future for actually funding child care is. Because right now, Wisconsin only funds child care as a manner to administer the federal funds that the state receives. Most other states have a line item for child care in their budget. Wisconsin does not. That would be an example of forward thinking, which I hear a lot about, but I often don't see an active demonstration of that, in the state of Wisconsin. That's true. And I think we also have to reflect on uh, what happened in the last decade in Wisconsin, um, you know, the 2010s, according to a study by Forward Analytics, which is part of the Wisconsin Counties Association, was the slowest population growth decade on record in the state of Wisconsin. And so I think we need to start looking looking for different solutions because we had the tax cuts and austerity of the Walker era, of the Voss era, did not pr- produce results and so I think we start need to start looking at some more creative solutions and take a different path. Interesting time in Wisconsin government. All right, we're going we're to shift to a fun topic after the break, because I know you're a Bucks big fan. <laughs> you could the, say what, that. What, would the term, what term would you use? Your, your love, die hard, die super hard. fan, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Was it you that I saw posted yesterday, uh, Milwaukee, like 100 times in a text? Was that you? Or a tweet? Yeah, that yeah. was me. Yes. That was me. It's a big story. The Giannis signing. With Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area, we'll have him give you his uh, his information, and you can read his great writing on Wisconsin politics and more after this on WTMJ Now. The Bucks are what's hot. Oh, yeah. Dan Schaefer's in studio, host of the Recombobulation, writer of the Recombobulation area. How do you, and again, real quick, how do people find it? Uh, you can find me at the Recombobulation area dot news, Recombobulation area on Substack. All right, so you and I are both big Bucks fans, and uh, if you want to talk about championships, they're the most recent winner of a championship in professional sports in Wisconsin. Is it three years ago or four years ago? Uh, two, it's it was twenty twenty one. Okay, so yeah. three two years ago. God, yeah. it seems like so long ago. <laughs> I want another one, Dan Schaefer. <laughs> so the big news yesterday: Giannis re-upping. Looks sounds like this uh, this immensely talented basketball player and a big fan of Wisconsin and Milwaukee going to be sticking around. What twenty twenty nine? Yeah, how great is this? That Giannis is recommitting to the city of Milwaukee. You know, we had for so many years so many different uh, athletes and come through Milwaukee, whether it was the Brewers or the Bucks, seemed like a launching pad to a to a career elsewhere. And and for Giannis to uh, not only commit to the Milwaukee the way he did a few years ago with the Supermax, delivered a championship to championship for the ages to the city a couple of years ago. He's now recommitting 
uh, for the long term. And and I would say bucking the trend of uh, <laughs> NBA go. superstars jumping Ouch. to bigger markets to uh, team up with other superstars. I asked this question of a teammate before the show. How unique is Giannis from a professional sports Perspective. He's he's a he's a one of one. He's a wild type of character. Yeah. You know, maybe and it's a story of how he got here. But yeah, you could you know he's he's literally has a Disney movie uh, yeah, made right? about his life. Yeah. It's a remarkable story. Um, and you know, just the, thinking back to those that first year for him in Milwaukee when they only won what was it fifteen games or something like that. But he showed so many flashes and and you know you we had games like when his family finally made it to Milwaukee and was in the crowd going nuts, cheering him on. Um, you know, some of those moments, it, we just, I feel like we as Milwaukee sports fans have really watched him grow up in the city in so many ways. And now it's just, it's such a joy. It, this will be his 11th year uh, in Milwaukee and now committing for, for what was it, four or five more, depending on yeah. uh, kind of the player options at the end of it, basically. But, um, you know, to have this caliber of player in Milwaukee long-term is just remarkable. This is a sort of related question I was thinking about when you were talking there. So does any of this rub off to the Brewers or the Packers, this kind of dedication to the local sports team, you know, from a player? I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, Bart Starr was that example for the Packers. He loved Green Bay, and he continued to come back years after he was a coach for a while. And Brewers, uh, Robin Yount probably, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah. I think it's different with Giannis, though. I think he he's he's brought a different level of because you know I think at the end of the day he's going to go down as one of the best twenty players in NBA history um, and has a chance to deliver multiple titles to a city that nobody ever thought would be in contention for a for a championship. You know, I'm as a longtime Bucks fan, I never really even thought that they would they would win a championship. You well, know, I was around for the first for one, multiple so ones. I, yeah. you know, I was a youngster, but I was around for it, and, and it was an amazing day. And I was very young then, but I can remember the excitement of then Lou Alcindor, then eventually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Oscar Robertson mm-hmm. bringing that championship here, which was unbelievable then. And then getting, what, 50 years later, the chance to do it. I mean, I got to host the WTMJ broadcast of the parade. That was a thrill of a lifetime. Amazing. And I, loved I, was, it. I was at that parade. Yeah, I'd love to do it again. <laughs> so do you think with the acquisition of Lillard, uh, who's what a top seventy-five all-time NBA mm-hmm, player? Mm-hmm. Uh, we obviously got Chris Middleton, Lopez, a bunch of other key pieces. I, I like their chances. I do too. I do too. I think you know, and and you mentioned Oscar Robertson. I know the Bucks marketing has has taken some some photos that mirror some of those from the from the early seventies with Giannis and Lillard uh, putting them next to the Kareem and Oscar, Oscar Robertson yeah, ones. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a fun comparison to the team's history, but. Um, yeah, I think if Middleton gets back healthy, Lopez has been terrific. Uh, I think they got a really interesting mix of pieces. We'll see how new coach Adrian Griffin does, first-time head coach with a championship-contending roster. That could pose some challenges as well. But is uh, the I don't like to make predictions, but but my uh, what I always stand by is as long as we have Giannis, I like our chances. Yeah, I would agree. And this is something else that maybe just bothers me. Maybe it bothers you. It's not disrespect, but the lack of appreciation for how good Giannis is from other NBA scribes or fans. It, it seems like they're like, eh, he's just Giannis and not the incredible talent that he is. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, he doesn't come from the type of conventional background, so sometimes he doesn't play in a, in a conventional way. Uh, and so perhaps sometimes you get some, some NBA former stars or something like that saying like, Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't have this in his bag. He doesn't have this and that and whatever. But I think, you know, you, the, 
what he does on both ends of the court and what he does, you know, as a score on the inside and that putting that constant threat uh, at the opposing defense of, of scoring at the rim is just uh, is just remarkable. And I think, you know, he's also a willing passer, great, one of the best rebounders in the league, uh, gets blocks and steals, things like that. So he really fills up the stat sheet. So I think I think those types of players can go unappreciated if it's not just the you know, the step-back threes and the remarkable scoring and things like that. Giannis does a lot of the dirty work, too. It's going to be fun watching those games this year. So an exciting season ahead. Maybe it takes some of the... Uh the stink off what might be a tough Packers season to watch. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I remain a little optimistic about the fact they played a lot of road games so far. Yeah, I, we'll you see. know, we'll see what see what it looks like when they get back home. Dan Schaefer, always a pleasure to talk to you. Recombobulation area. One more time, where they can find it. You can find it at the the Recombobulation area dot news. The Recombobulation area on Substack. You can find me on Twitter at Dan R Schaefer. See you next Tuesday.